In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. When our Lord taught us to pray, prompted by the apostles asking him to teach them how to pray, he first taught them how not to pray. Don't be ostentatious. Don't pray in public so as to gain people's attention. Instead, pray in that secret room where you close the door, knowing in confidence that the Lord your God hears your prayer. And then he taught them those words, the Our Father. Now, ironically, not only do we pray that privately in our own rooms at home, but we pray that here publicly at Mass. Not in contravention of our Lord's instruction. It's good to know that early on, these sacred mysteries, the Sunday Eucharist, was in fact prayed and offered in private, even behind a locked door. In the year 155, St. Justin Martyr describes how the only people permitted to enter into the sacred assembly were those who believed all the teachings of the apostles and who responded in faith and were baptized children of God and who were, in fact, persevering in fidelity to that way of Christ. They alone were permitted in to the sacred assembly. And we can appreciate both the, the beauty of that and some of the advantages of that, while at the same time acknowledging wisdom in the prudential judgment of our holy fathers, our popes, to permit eventually, a few centuries later, outsiders who were perhaps not yet baptized, or the baptized who were not in fact faithful to the gospel, to be present for the beginning of the Holy Mass. By the time the liturgy of the word or the Mass of the Catechumens transitioned into what we call the liturgy of the Eucharist, basically when the chalice veil comes off the chalice, by that time, those people who are not baptized or the baptized who are not in full communion with the church, they would have already left. They would have vacated. And nowadays, and for quite a long time, anyone and everyone can be present during the sacred mysteries and can see and hear everything that takes place at the Holy Mass. More than likely, that, and uniquely so to the Roman Catholic Church, is perhaps the reason why it has been able to spread so far and wide in such great numbers do we now gather around this altar, not just we here present, but throughout the world, a billion Catholics. The Mass, however, isn't the great big net trying to gather people in, trying to allure people and to discover our Lord, 
that net of trying to attract people to Christ is you and me, our works, our words, our deeds of charity. Come discover the Messiah. We found him. And we hope and we pray that people who do visit us, who happen to be among us here on Sundays for Holy Mass, do hear something true and hear something beautiful and find a reason to learn more about our Lord. But truth be told, unless someone is already believing all the teachings of the apostles and living a sacramental life, and persevering in fidelity. What happens here is really relatively tedious and indecipherable. Doesn't make any sense. Let me suggest to you one reason why that might be the case and what we can do about it. When our Lord taught us to pray he not only taught the apostles how not to pray, he taught them how to pray. And more than likely, when we consider those first two words of the Lord's Prayer, our Father, it's led us to consider how each of us is not praying individually in an isolated way to God, but we are all praying together. And it's not merely by way of mutual agreement. I'll remember to pray for your intentions. Please pray for mine. But in fact, we are incorporated into a body of Christ, which is worshiping God, worshiping God the Father. And it's a beautiful thing to remember when we pray. You are never alone. Not only is your prayer joined by all the prayers of the faithful alive on earth, the church militant, but by the angels and saints who hear your prayers, who perhaps know our needs better than we know them ourselves. But here's another consideration to add. When we say our Father, we are doing more than simply acknowledging that God the Father is my Father and your Father. And we're not just praying the words that Christ taught us to pray. We are praying to his Father. When we pray our Father, we are praying even with our Lord and Savior, with Jesus, praying to his Heavenly Father. God the Father is the eternally, forever Father of God the Son. When we pray our Father, we are praying with the Holy Spirit. God the Father is the Father of God the Holy Spirit. We pray to God the Father through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not simply outsiders observing a mystery. As soon as we say our Father, we are inside this mystery. We are participating mystically in the life of the Holy Trinity. 
And so our prayers at the altar already amazing because we have the privilege of hearing Jesus Christ pray to God the Father for us. Praying for our faith. Praying for our unity. Knowing that our being one with each other and one with Christ would be in and of itself reason for the world to believe that what's happening here is true. If we are one with him as he is one with the Father, then his work is complete. His task is to draw us into, inside of, this eternal conversation of love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so long before we consider our unworthiness for receiving Holy Communion, coming before the Lord as sinners, begging for his mercy, long before that, we realize even simply to be here is something of which we are unworthy as human beings. We dare not tread were it not for the will of God that we do so. Even to hear these prayers, to overhear the words of love between the Father and the Son, and to be privileged to join in that prayer is something of which we are incapable as human beings. But as baptized, adopted children of God, it is our right and our duty. And so we can't stay afar off thinking I'm unworthy because we must be here. But we are here and we know I ought not be here. We bow our heads in humility. If we understood what was happening, we would almost cup our ears and cover our mouth. But the work of the Holy Spirit is to overcome every obstacle. Like the prodigal son being wrapped up by God the Father, to be swept up into a love that we had known and in our innocence and can know again by God's mercy. That thought alone might inspire us to reconsider how do I approach this mystery? How is it that I even walk into this building? What is my purpose? How do I prepare for this? How do I, how do I live my life after having been here? So far beyond merely being clean and dressing properly, our hearts and our souls should be trembling. Maybe in our innocence, shivering because something beautiful is happening and aware of our wretchedness, almost a little bit afraid. And so it's for that reason that I, I propose to you what happens in a monastery 
where every step and every movement is weighed and measured in light of always being present to the sacred, the divine. A parish church should be not much different. A visitor coming in will know that something holy and sacred is happening. But they might not be able to understand why just yet until they understand the meaning of these mysteries. They might notice that when we, when we hear or say the name of the Holy Trinity, we bow. An instruction that's given to the priest to bow whenever he hears the name of the Holy Trinity. You might notice our servers doing likewise. Is much akin to Moses prostrating himself before the unveiling of God's majesty. Realizing then that this unfolding of God's true presence among us is not intended for us to flagellate ourselves and think, why didn't I realize this? Why didn't I know? What, did I, what have I been thinking this whole time? Where instead I propose like a, like a little child, a little baby, God baptized us while we were sleeping. We became his child without even knowing it. And in the course of our lifetime, we occasionally awake from our slumber and open our eyes and we see him smiling at us and we, and we fall back asleep. And like the loving father who's hovering over us, eventually one day we'll wake up, our eyes will be open forever. And we will be able to rejoice in being able to see him who has loved us this whole time face to face. May our divine worship not only, not always, may our divine worship not only always reflect this, but may our lives always then be so reverent and so grateful and so humble and joyful. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end.